Thank you for downloading the following message from the Pickerington Church of Christ. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you walk with the Lord. For more information or to find additional resources, locate us on the web at pickeringtonchurch.org. Enjoy the message. Together, that's the key word in that passage. And three times this morning already, uh, before I've come to this point, I've heard people say that this church has a great thing going on. I like to say that when I'm up here, just to remind you in case you haven't noticed, you forgot, or you haven't learned about it yet. But three people this morning have said, we've got a great thing going on. And that is, I'm convinced, because of this idea of us being a body. It's not because of any one individual that's dynamic or, or somebody that's given a large monetary contribution or anything like that. It's because of us, all of us. So this is the third lesson in a series entitled The Body. And in the first two lessons, we've talked about these things. In the first lesson, we emphasize the value of one, each one, each one in the body, that you are an individual work of art that God is continuing to shape and refine throughout your life. And you're only going to get better and better because you're going to be shaped into the image of Christ, His Son. The second thing is, we talked about last week what the difference is between doing good works and doing good works with the intention of letting your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify their Father in heaven. Every good thing that you do, that's, that, is, that is inherently good, every good thing that you do is good, and it's a good work. But specifically in Scripture, what God wants us to do as the church is to have an impact. He wants us to have an impact on people so they'll change their lives. And sometimes the difference between doing a good work and doing a good work that impacts someone is simply allowing them to know that you are a servant of Jesus Christ in some way, shape, or form. We typically don't do that by just announcing it. Well, you're welcome. I'm a Christian. You know, we use a little tact, but there are ways to allow people to know. Sometimes they'll watch you for years doing your good works and then learn you're a Christian. That's really powerful. Many of you, when I'm out with you in some new place, will introduce me as one of the preachers. And you spoil all the fun that I can have. I like to sneak up on people. I like to love on them, bless them, let them learn to actually like me. It can be done. And then, it's not easy, but it can be done. And then when they find out that I'm a Christian, if they had anything against Christ, if they've had anything against his church or some religious organization that they've been a part of, they might start over again, retraining their mind to think that maybe I didn't have the right idea. You see, you do that with people every day when you're out doing good works. The fun part is to allow them to get a glimpse into who your teacher is, who your Lord is, your Savior, and why you are doing those things intentionally. Now we'll turn our attention to bringing individuals and these good works together in the body of Christ. Part of his workmanship in you is to give you a function to work as a valuable part of a larger body of believers. There's many reasons for this. Some have to do with your spiritual well-being, and some have to do with others' spiritual well-being, those who are lost, 
But everything, in everything, you coming together has to do with the gospel. It has to do with the gospel. And I'll tell you why in just a little bit. So the church is portrayed in a number of different ways. I get my clicker out. It's off. Let's see how it does. I might need you, Rich, to... I forgot to sync up here. All right, thank you. The church is illustrated in a number of different ways. Here are some of them. The bride of Christ, which emphasizes the everlasting covenant with Christ as our groom, as in a marriage covenant, with intimacy there and deep love for one another that lasts. That we are the branches and that our fruit is produced when we're nourished by the vine, Jesus Christ. That we are part of a kingdom, an eternal kingdom. Subjects of a king and citizens of heaven, our king being Jesus Christ, of course. That we're a priesthood, in fact, a royal priesthood. But that we're a priesthood, we have direct access to God. We don't have to go to another to address our Lord in heaven. The veil has been torn. Christ, the high priest, has gone through the veil into the Holy of Holies. And he has invited us in his name to address God directly. He is the mediator. And we go to God in his name. It's a beautiful picture there. We're a family because we have a relationship with our heavenly Father. We're sowers and laborers in his field 1 Corinthians 3 is one place where it talks about this, Mark 8, because we share the word of God, which is the seed with the lost. And as Jesus said, some fell by the wayside, some fell among thorns, some fell, right? And so there's different soils, and, and this illustrates our outreach with the gospel. But there's one that really does well to illustrate the body of Christ. And you know what that illustration is? It's the body, the human body, all right? So the human body is a marvelous thing, is it not? It's well-suited, it's perfect for trying to project to us this idea that there is someone who has the capacity to say everything that we need to know to, to command all that needs to be done, and he's done it perfectly, and then to help us to work together to accomplish something with it, all right? So the human body is a great analogy for four reasons. First of all, this first thing, that there is a head to the body. So we read about this in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. It's kind of hard to leave Ephesians, isn't it, when we're talking about all this? We've just been camped out there all the time. It's rich. And it says in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, and he put all things under his feet. That is the father put all things, all authority and all power under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's talk about the body for a second. Your head, your head houses the most complex of the organs in the body. It's the most complex, it's a wonder. And as you're sitting there thinking about how wonderful you are, you are exercising that organ. It's a busy place, the brain. It's the control center where all information 
is received and comes to, it's processed, it's filtered, it's stored, or it's used to put the body in motion, it's acted upon. It operates the higher functions like thought, like reason, like emotion, and like movement. We call this the mind. The mind is where values are determined from that information, where beliefs are formed, where visions are cast, where goals are set, and where paths are determined by decisions that we make which direct the course of our lives. That all happens in the head. It also operates the lower orders, including the involuntary functions, like your heart beating right now. You don't have to make that thing do that. It's doing it because your brain is operating it involuntarily. Uh, your respiratory system, your breathing is involuntary. Uh, if you ate a little breakfast this morning, it's digesting involuntarily. And you might even be blinking right now and not thinking anything about it. Some of you might even blink for quite a while here in a little bit. I'll be watching for that. That might be voluntary or it might be involuntary. But nothing moves or lives without it. It commands everything. Now, for the church, Christ being the head, here's what this looks like. It means that Christ is the head, the brain, the mind of the church. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians, we have the mind of Christ. He is the mind. He is the vision caster. For the church. He's the goal setter for the church. He teaches us what to value and what to believe. He commands all the activity of the body. Don't you remember him saying and teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded? The last verse of Matthew. And he supplies every member proper thinking, reasoning, and direction. He is the body's all in all. We live or die with him. That's what the Bible teaches about him. He desires absolute lordship. Now, the matter of believing in Christ and understanding who is Christ is critical. And here's why. If Christ is not the son of God, just think about this for a moment. If he's not the son of God... We're giving this man way too much control. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, we're allowing him to, to brainwash us and, and we're caught up in a cult because we're allowing him to teach us what to value, what to believe, how to think, how to speak, how to relate. We don't do anything apart from this man. And if he's not God in the flesh, we're in a cult that we need to get out of. Paul said it's pitiable if you believe in a Christ who was a liar, who didn't raise from the dead when he said he would raise from the dead. It's pitiable. You ought to step back and rethink your life. But if he's the son of God, that means that he is obliged and that he is in the position to give us all things that we need to know and do in this life for our own good. And he's done that. And he's done it through scripture. 
Peter said, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, Jesus Christ. He's given us everything. So you see how important it is to, to really anchor your belief in his deity? Do I really believe that this was the son of God? And if so, does that transform the way I think it should? He's the head. And if you're a Christian, you're a part of this body. So it's very, very important to understand what it means that Christ is the head. He's the command center, but he's really good at it. He knows exactly what we need. So secondly, the body illustration illustrates beautifully our individuality. We talked a little bit about this uh, a couple weeks ago, but not completely. Your specific, this, this has to do with your specific function as a member of a larger body. Here's a couple of scriptures that touch on this. Ephesians 4, 4 through 7. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of, of all who is above all and in you all and through all and in you all. But, verse 7, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So he talks about the oneness of the body, and then he says, but to each one something was given that makes you different. In Romans chapter 4, verses, uh, chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, but as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I think that's going to tie in with the idea in Ephesians chapter 4 of us being knit together. We don't just come together, we actually are members of one another. There's, a, there's an interaction that connects us tightly. The blood of Christ brings us together. The Spirit, uh, Ephesians 4 says, gives us that unity. We're baptized, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, into one body through one Spirit. Okay? And we, we've, we've been given this. Now that being said, we have unique functions that are given to us by God. The body, let's talk about it. The human body is made up of billions of parts. Billions, I'm counting cells and all this. Billions of parts. Wow. We only see a few hundred. Like, like right now, if I looked at Teresa, you know, I, I only see a, I see a few hundred. I can see arms and fingers and eyes and ears and things like this. All right. Um, on my own body, I don't know. I, can see my, I can't even see my hair. But we can see a few things, and we identify those things with names. They're pretty valuable, however, because whenever you injure one, you realize how much you needed it. Isn't that right? I remember foolishly, as an adult, playing Nerf gun wars in a house with some kids, among whom were my own, and there was a door that was propped open toward me, and it was dark, and I went out the door, but not completely. My left toe, little toe, caught that thing in a pair of sandals, really hard and the door didn't move my toe moved and my little toes only that long but i i realized for about six months how important that little toe was 
Wow, I couldn't believe how much pain shot from that little bugger all the way up to the other end of my body. But more so, I, I didn't have my balance. And you've all had injuries like that where you've had something get hurt. I'm looking over here at Anthony too right now. Sorry, man. <laughs> what? What are you talking? And, and, it, and, it, and you can't function like you want to. Some parts of the body may cease to function and the body lives on, but we understand that there's a dysfunction in the body, right? Let's make some spiritual application of that. For the church, this means that every member has a purpose, has a role, has a function. We've been redeemed and we're our, we are his workmanship being recreated by God and one of the things he's given to each Christian is a function or a gift, as it's called by Peter and Paul. And there's a reason for this. And that is so that the many members of the body can come together and bring their function to the body to be used. That you bring your function to the body to be used. Other things that distinguish us and are useful for ministries are our individual personalities, uh, which would, I would include in that your uh, things that you're passionate about and also um, your experiences that have shaped you, okay? That all has to do with your person and you bring that to the body with you. And even though they say that there are four basic personality types, and that seems pretty agreeable to all of us because whenever we've ever taken those personality tests, we fall into one of them or maybe a little mixture of two. And we kind of chuckle and go, I'm one of those. I'm a disc or whatever. I took a disc test and I'm a disc. It's like it could be, it could be arranged in all these different ways and I just fell right into I'm a disc, right? And, and I laughed about it, but... My personality, I bring that with me. I can't leave it behind. And even though the type of person that I am and the personality that I have, some, some of that may not be able to be changed too much. All the flaws, all of the faulty thinking that's formed the way I believe and act and do things, that is what I'm giving to God to reshape and reform about my personality, all right? So maybe I'm introverted and you're extroverted by nature. That's just, that's just how we operate. We can allow God to form and reform us to use those things for strengths in the body in conjunction with the gifts that he's given us. Another thing that separates us, I shouldn't say separates us, distinguishes us from one another are our personal abilities, like skills that we have acquired or learned throughout life. Maybe you've received a particular education or you have certain work experiences. These things also distinguish us from one another, but they can be brought together in the body and useful. Not always, but sometimes for sure. But the number one thing that scripture continues to tell us in these body illustrations that distinguish us from one another are these Christ-given gifts that we can find in Romans chapter 12 for sure and about which we've discussed in the past and all of us have one of those. We have those by faith in the promise that he said he'd give us one. 
We've asked in, uh, before uh, in our classes and so forth, but when do you get that gift? Well, the Bible tells us that he gives those gifts to those that he has taken captive for himself, Ephesians 4. And so I'm assuming Christians, those who receive the gifts for the purpose of doing Christ's ministry, and I believe that we receive those in the same way that we believe that we've received the Holy Spirit. God has promised him to us. I didn't receive any kind of, of fuzzy feeling. I didn't see the Holy Spirit when I became a Christian. I just believe it because of a promise. And since then, I believe I've seen the work that he's done in my life and your lives as evidence of it. Like Jesus said in John chapter 3, like the wind moves, we don't see the wind, but we see the evidence of the wind. We know it's there because of the evidence. And that is how uh, the Spirit works in us. I believe we're saved by faith in a promise that when we go down into the water to die with Christ and we come up out of the water, even though all you might feel is that the water was a little bit cold, you feel joy for doing it, but you feel that joy because you know that you have placed your faith into the hands of a truthful God who's promised that he would wash away your sins if you died with his son in baptism. And so I believe it. I believe that God answers prayers because he said he would when I pray to him in the name of Jesus. And I don't see anything happening always, maybe just the results of it, right? And I think these gifts are along a similar vein. That he said, I give one to each one of you for working in my kingdom, for use in the ministry. You need to find it, use it. Peter said, use that thing. It's either going to be a speaking gift or a serving gift. Use it and edify the body. Which brings me to the next part. The solidarity. So when we all come together, there's a solidarity that occurs. Individuals form systems which create a whole or well body. That's what happens in the human body. But let's look at these passages very quickly in 1 Corinthians 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, as also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. There's the togetherness. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And then again here in Ephesians chapter 4, this is, uh, verses 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by, uh, by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edification of itself in love. So there's this point, one more point I'm going to make, and let me just draw the distinction now. This has to do with us coming together to edify each other in love. This has to happen. We have to be healthy as a body before we can fulfill the purpose of expanding the body, expanding the kingdom, 
expecting anyone to come in and see any kind of a functional family and see any kind of, uh, have any marveling about what a wonderful body this is in motion, we've got to be a body in motion that's healthy. And Paul emphasizes that first, actually, before he just says, now you're a Christian, go out and win a bunch of people. He says, no, come together, bring what you've got, what I've given you into the body and use it to build the body. That was our scripture reading, like a temple that God can dwell in. We want to be holy. And there's a lot of ways that we bring our gifts together to do that. So we've got to be healthy first, church. And we've got to learn to use those different abilities that we have in ministry. So the body, when it comes together, it comes together not with just a bunch of individual parts slapped together. Think about it this way as well. And it'll highlight our ministries that we do. The body usually works in systems or groups of parts. Think with me about this. We mentioned a few things earlier. Your cardiovascular system is a system. There's a number of different parts that work together to make sure the blood carries all our nutrients and oxygen and all that to all the parts, right? It's a system. Respiratory system, all right? It's the lungs and that interaction of carbon dioxide and oxygen that goes on, and it it goes through marvelously. Uh, We breathe the air involuntarily. It comes through, it gets filtered when it goes in, comes out. It's a beautiful thing. It's a system, all right? Our muscular system, I mean, I could name 13 or 14 off the cuff. Skeletal system, muscular system, digestive system, immune system. They're all groups of members working together now, coming together in a group for the wellness of the whole body. So capture that in your mind and think now about the body of Christ. How do we generally work? We have groups of individuals engaging in meaningful ministries that are relevant to the health of the whole body. Let me highlight one for you right now. Every week we're going to highlight one. Here's the one I'd like to highlight today. Our worship ministry. You could call it all those who participate in organizing our worship service or bringing it to you. It's just a ministry. It's a work that is done by a number of people who are engaged together in this. Here's some of the things that go on. There are people who line up the Lord's Supper, or get it ready in the back and bring it out here uh, for us to partake as we pass it through the aisles, all right? There are people who do that twice a week, today, uh, this morning and tonight. There are people who schedule nursery attendance so that when the babies cry, we've got something we can do with them, all right? We can take them out, we can give them into some good experienced hands. That's intentional, all right? Um, There are people running the tech room back here you know, somebody had to turn the mic on. Not everybody can be AJ. I need this. And somebody's turning that on. And when other people get up and do things, you're back there with the sound and the video, making sure these things are happening like this screen up here. Then you have the general assembly that's going on. There are people who speak. Uh, there are those who are singing, song leaders. We have people scheduled to pray. We have people that pass the plates. You see, and you know, if you think about it, all of the different members bringing something to the table to make that ministry work. Now, for some of them, it might be their gifted area. It might be that they're gifted in leadership or uh, speaking, preaching, or teaching. It might be that they're gifted in serving. 
But for others, they're just doing the work because it needs done. But we're coming together to accomplish something that is going to edify the body and allow us to direct our worship to God how he desires us to worship. That's a ministry. And the people that run those different parts are going to be available back in the fellowship hall today for you to talk to. That's just an example of one system, if you will, that looks like the human body. Let's talk about this last thing. And that is the testimony of the human body. So when a body is all together and is well, it still can sit and do nothing. I'm talking about a human body. Somebody can be perfectly healthy and still sit and do nothing and not really have a purpose in their life. Needs some, some thing to give them purpose, all right? Uh, my, uh, my wife's grandma used to say, if you rest, you rust. If you don't move it, you lose it. And the body of Christ can do that. I would say that we were unhealthy if we were doing that. But finally, though, not only do we edify each other, there's a purpose here also for the body to be fully functioning, the body of Christ. And that is to testify to the world of God's wisdom, His salvation, and His glory. Paul takes time in Ephesians chapter 2, more time than I'm going to take right now, to explain that through the church, he wanted to make known the wisdom of God through the ages. That in that chapter, he said, and in the following chapter, that he would answer the question, how is God going to save the world? And how are people ever going to be at peace in this evil world? He answered that question by sending Christ for us who died on the cross to bring us peace with God and then to bring us together in unity, in unity, to be at peace with one another and to testify to the world that God has done this thing. Men can't do what God could do through the church. Men can't do this. There's a lot of great causes. There's a lot of great people. But the, the way that the, the uh, gospel includes everyone in the world and then gives them a way to be brought into a body, reshaped and reformed, and to learn to love one another and love their God and be united with their God is marvelous. And so just like a human body we might see at the epitome of its, of its excellence, maybe in an athlete, right? Or maybe somebody at the, at the pinnacle of their career and their mind is sharp and you think, wow, that person's genius. That person is amazing what they can do and we marvel at them, people ought to be able to look at a living body called the church and say, wow, how do I become a part of that? And that is coming from a healthy body. That's why all of us individually come together to build each other up to strength, full strength and health in the fullness of Christ and then we are attractive to those who are seeking. We don't just want to do this, church. We want you to believe this. And we need to learn to look at each other, not ever to injure one another, but to look for the strengths in each other to pull together to do works that need to be done, and there are many. If you're not a member here, I mentioned this before, uh, the last couple weeks before, 
Uh, first thing you need to do is become a member of Christ's church, universally speaking, that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you're baptized into him for the remission of your sins, when you confess him as Lord, he adds you to his church. He does that. I believe it by faith on a promise that he would do that. And then he calls us together to be knit together, to do work. So I might be a member of the same church for which Christ died as some person in India, but it's really hard for me to be knit together and do ministry with somebody in India. But people here in Pickerington and Pataskala and Carroll and Columbus and Reynoldsburg, we all can come together and be knit together to do this. It's called a local body, the body of Christ here. It's identifiable here. We are, we are meeting here to worship and we are going out to do good works. And we want to know who you are so that we can have you join in to this work. And so that's what we call membership in this church, the Pickerington Church of Christ here. And that brings you into the blessings of family here, being knit together. So I'll leave you with that this morning. There's plenty to chew on, I know. But we're going to talk about some more things next week to continue to develop this idea. I hope that you, again, are believing it. I hope that you are adjusting to it and that you'll act upon it and do so in the name of Jesus and for the sake of the continuance of the gospel in your life and in others. Let's stand and sing, and Rodney's going to lead us in a song.